0: And one, and two, and one, and two, and one, and two, and slide to the right, and take it back now, y'all, and, and uh, oh, 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 hey, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see you guys there, uh, welcome to another uplifting episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories, I'm your host Tristan, and forgive me, uh, I was kind of, getting a bit of the dancing mood, I mean, it, it's all about today's guest, that we're going to be talking to today i mean we are literally talking about life death and dancing with my good friend linda plunkett you see linda is such an inspiring and real person originally a licensed therapist linda was diagnosed with a brain tumor the size of a tennis ball and had to completely relearn her life we're talking about walking talking and even dancing she had to learn all this stuff all over again and it is in today's episode we talk about the journey of pain, and how even during the darkest of circumstances, God takes us on a journey of growth and self-discovery. Lynn is also a professional author, speaker, and is currently partaking in competitive dance. I mean, if she's not the whole package, I don't know what is, but let me not get any further into the story. So if you're ready for today's episode, I want you to get ready, sit back, relax, grab your favorite dance shoes. Let's get footloose, and prepare to dance like you've never danced before, like the maniacs I know you guys are, or another ordinary person with Extraordinary Story. Hi guys, future Tristan here. Just want to say yet again, thank you again for listening to today's episode. I just want to give a shout out to our patron subscribers for helping support the channel. We have Tamsin, thank you yet again for supporting, and a new subscriber by the name of Courtney. Again, every bit helps, and we really appreciate you guys helping out the channel. If you're interested in helping support the channel feel free to check out the patreon link below every bit helps now back to the content I um A little random, but uh, I, uh, I'm kind of mildly curious. I I, I showed you my cat for... Uh, I turned 30 this year. And me and my friends, we don't really do too much crazy stuff, but we uh, decided to get tattoos. And we don't have kids, but we like playing games, and we don't have cats, so we got portraits of our cats on our legs. And uh, it was kind of like a little fun, like, hey, we're turning 30. Or the kitty cat crew, I guess. Um, <laughs> did you uh, Do you tattoo at all? Or did you get think about getting anything when you? Uh...
1: No, I kind of grew up in that conservative time. I mean, I know now tattooing is very popular. And like right now, I'm in Asheville. Everybody has tattoos. But I kind of grew up during that time, unless you were in the military. I have a good friend of mine who's about the same age. She had this beautiful butterfly across her back. And it's funny because she, uh, I think she's in the Air Force and we did a ballroom dancing competition. And she said, oh, I'm so self-conscious. My tattoo is showing. I said, I think it looks great. But, um, you know, for the most part, most people my age bracket, unless they're in the military, but now here in Asheville, everybody does it. And it's like, whether you're a woman, a man, whoever, it seems like pretty much everybody has a tattoo.
0: Right on. I mean, if you hypothetically could get one, again, it wouldn't hurt that it it would pay any amount of money for, but to be free, maybe would you get one? Or what do you think you could get?
1: You know, I would have to think about that. Um, I'd have to think about, first of all, what tattoo I would want. And then the other place, where would I want to put it? Because you can put them anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd probably have to give that some thought. And I hadn't really thought about it, but um, I'm not saying I would never do it. You know, it's an interesting thought.
0: Well, Lisa, we got two hours. If anything, when we get to the end, though, if you're like, you know what? I got it. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Well, hey, guys. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Ordinary People Extraordinary Stories podcast. I'm Tristan, your host. And uh, yeah, where we talk about challenges and successes through life and also sometimes tattoos and noisy cats. So welcome. As <laughs> uh, you can hear, I have a very wonderful guest. Her name is Linda. Say hi, Linda.
1: Hi. How are you?
0: So something to let you know about, like, a bit more about her story, so I'm actually pulling up her website right now, is that, well, first off, what what really drew me to you was that, like, I didn't even have you reach out to me, your publicist reached out to me, and he was Mm -hmm. telling me about your story, and, I mean, like, again, when he was mentioning, like, more about what you went through, the challenges you overcame, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an ordinary person with an extraordinary <laughs> story. We'll, we'll get into like more about what happened or your journey, but again, a lot of a lot of books that you wrote about healing, recovery, like the kind of like positive change that can happen in life after such a pivotal moment in your life. And I'm just kind of excited to talk. I know I'm being vague about it though, but that's intentional, really, for the for the audience' sake.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So I guess for the audience to understand, and we'll. Definitely getting the details more. I guess in a few sentences could you say what was a great challenge you overcame or the thing that changed your life forever?
1: Well, I think, you know, I look back and I guess the phone call that I got saying, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have a brain tumor. And that was back in 2012. And up till then, you know, life was fairly normal. I had ups and downs like everybody, but um You know, it was just really, really surreal in that, um, like, I laugh and I tell people, you know, I wanted to be in denial. But when you're a psychologist, you can't be in denial. (laughs) You know, it's really happening. And so I couldn't pretend. I wanted to pretend it wasn't happening, but it was. And so um, that phone call, you've got a brain tumor and you've got to find a brain surgeon. And this was like immediately, because although the tumor I had in my head was not cancerous, I was having a type of like a mental seizure and I was informed that a seizure can kill you even Mm. faster than cancer. So um, it was not time to be in denial. I, it was just like, I got to deal with it. But from there, after that moment, I had that call. My life totally changed.
0: Which I can imagine though. And I mean, like I were, I think what was the size I researched? It was the size of a tennis ball.
1: It was the size of a tennis ball and it was in my frontal lobe and the frontal lobe of the brain is where you do all your thinking and reasoning. And so because of the size, my head had to be cut all the way open from basically one ear to the other. And so just, you know, just the thought of that, it's like, I can't believe this is really happening. And, um, you know, they put me on a lot of steroids, like within the few weeks and I was already gaining a lot of weight. And so... I guess this is one of the funnier stories that people say, give us humor that I would tell you, but, um, you know, I really, I wanted donuts. I was craving donuts because anybody that's been on steroids, you crave salt and you crave sugar. And I really, at that point, I really didn't care. And I said to my husband, go out and get me some donuts. I want donuts. Right. So it was almost Christmas and they have all those yummy donuts with the sprinkles and the special icing and, you know, all the cool stuff they put on donuts and cookies at Christmas time. So he brings me home the donuts and I'd say it's probably on maybe six or seven at night. I've had dinner. I'm ready for a donut. And the next morning I wake up and I look at the donuts like, well, what happened to the donuts? There are only three left. And I said, Jim, how many donuts did you eat? And he said, I didn't eat any. I ate nine donuts in one night.
0: Oh, my goodness. And you just didn't and even remember. Just just... Like...
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously. I didn't really remember eating them. But, you know, that they tasted good. And at that point, you know, I really think I didn't care. It's like I'm having a brain surgery. I like donuts. And so that's obviously what I did all night Night was eat the donuts.
0: Hey, so, I think uh... that's the best, like, medicine you could have gone to. Some people <laughs> do drugs. Some people do drinking. You're like, I- give me a box of donuts. We'll just exactly. polish it off, though. Let's make it happen.
1: Exactly. People talk about the term self-medicating. No, I haven't done really alcohol. I haven't done drugs, but I have done donuts.
0: You're donating. So How that's, that's, that's what you're doing. I <laughs> here. Give me half a second. I'm actually gonna close my door because like my cat finally quieted down. So thank you. Just a second. All right. I uh, I have a thing where I say I'm gonna edit something out and I don't. I don't know if I'm gonna have if I'm gonna keep the part where I talk to my cat. But you know what? Why not? It's. <laughs> stuff like that happens well so donuts and brain surgery which is exactly what this podcast is about i we talk about (laughs) everything including that stuff i mean i will ask so you mentioned you little breadcrumbs here and there like you were a therapist or at least a psychologist uh,
1: right right i had a counseling practice at that point i'd say probably close to 15 years where I ran a nonprofit and I really just wanted to help people. Um, it was one of those deals, you know, if you didn't have the money, I would counsel you anyway, or you could pay what you could afford. And, but, good you idea. know, I was helping, I thought I was doing a good thing. I was helping a lot of people and um, did some mission trips and some other types of ministry, which really was just aimed at helping people. So when this happened, it was like, oh my God, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, for a while, I felt like, maybe i'm being punished maybe i messed up my husband said no you you really didn't but you know when something like i got as huge as a brain tumor appears you know when you basically had no headaches you felt fine you start questioning and you think well why you know why is this happening to me but i think that's kind of a normal question a lot of people would ask after being diagnosed with a massive brain tumor
0: right it's like it's joe basically it's like well why why did i do deserve this well i mean like i guess where did you kind of come from that conclusion? Cause I mean, again, you, you mentioned doing all the right stuff, doing all the good work, even being in the church and we'll get into the whole religion and mm-hmm. relationship aspect there too, but to then have this bomb drop on you, I mean, did you immediately like get angry? Did it come in like, uh, had, like well, tell me I about think it.
1: it. You know, it kind of came in waves and honestly, I was just getting through the brain surgery, and I think probably um, subconsciously when I ate those donuts, I thought, you know, I'm maybe I won't make it anyway. Because honestly, when you talk to people who have brain surgery, a lot of people don't make it, you know, and especially a big tumor. And so I wasn't immediately, I hadn't really gotten that far as far as the anger, but um, after the recovery was so slow and I developed more pain and the issues kept going on and on and on, Um, then I had anger issues towards God that I really had to deal with. You know, I had to, you like, they say, sometimes you have to forgive yourself. Sometimes you forgive others. And I believe there's times you have to forgive God because you don't get it. You know, you do not get it. It doesn't make sense, but it's happening and you have to deal with it regardless.
0: Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people like really get confused with, like being a Christian or like knowing God is that like, they think you can't get angry. You can't ask questions. Oh, he wants to, he's not going to tell you the answer. Right. Not, sometimes he will be quiet for a reason. And this is a very hard question to ask. Do you think there was ultimately a reason that this happened? I mean, thank God yeah. you didn't die. But yeah. I mean, what have you made for
1: this? For a long time, I really didn't get it. And, um, you know, when I wrote the first book in 2016, which was Supernatural Rescue, it was a memoir about what happened and Honestly, I was able to share that with a lot of people and it it really helped them because of things they had been through. And, um, you know, I was starting to think, well, maybe I was supposed to write the book and share the book and do speaking, et cetera, which I did. But the problem then after the first book, things got actually worse. I, it's hard physically for me with physical problems. And so at the end of the first book, I thought I found this magic pill. It was ridiculously expensive, like $250 a month. And for a little while, it gave me relief from the pain. I was doing better. The fibromyalgia that ensued after the brain tumor, I was doing better. But then the problem with fibromyalgia, there's no permanent cure. And so those of us that have it, doctors don't know what to do with it. A lot of times the treatment For me, it's been more, I would say, alternative medicine that I found that helped me. But my pain went on and on and on for a number of years after that. And that's when I got—you know started to get more upset. I was having some issues in the first book where, you know, I cried out to God. And then this light came down from heaven that I knew that God had heard me. And, And like you were saying, it's okay to be angry at God. I think years ago, as a counselor, somebody had said to me, oh, should I get angry at God? I might have said, no, maybe not. But now that I've been through this, you know how I feel he knows your heart anyway, he knows what you're going through. So why pretend to have feelings you don't have or pretend everything is great when it's not. But you know, you said, did I ever put it together? Honestly, I can look back now that many years have passed. I mean, we're looking like right now it's 2023. This happened in 2012. The new book that came out this year, people said to me, Linda, how are you doing as well as you are? We know you have fibromyalgia. How are you doing it? How are you still competing in ballroom dancing? How are you really just living your life, enjoying your life in spite of it? So the new book, which is Living a Positive Life in a Negative World, I read this for the people that are go- still going through pain and suffering and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. There's a section about body. There's a section about soul. Um, meaning the mind, will, and emotions, and there's a section about the issues I had with God that I had to resolve through being sick for a long time. So I really believe now that I've written the second book that I've gotten so much good feedback and maybe I had to go through it all. It wasn't about me. It was really to help other people.
0: And it's funny because you got into therapy to originally help people, and granted, not ever undercutting the work you did because therapists you guys are definitely I want to say unsung heroes because after the pandemic we love we love you guys now you guys are the best but to go from (laughs) helping people one-on-one to now you're sharing your story with more than that like rooms full of people maybe like auditorium stages full of people and sharing your story you're again you definitely have more of a turnover and you're again you're still helping but now you're helping on such a larger scale
1: exactly and you know that's the way I felt I felt like I helped a lot of people through the years, and I thought, you know I help people regardless of you know the amount of money. I mean, most psychologists charge at least a hundred dollars an hour. Um I didn't honestly didn't make a lot of money doing that, but I helped a lot of people, but honestly, because of what I've been through now, I can help people to a much deeper level. and some people will read the book and they won't exactly get everything that I put in there. But if you've been through pain and you've been through suffering, like I say, there's something for everybody because it puts you in a place you think you just can't imagine you're in that spot where, for example, you're angry with God, or you even get to a point maybe that you have self hatred. And, you know, that there were times I admit that, you know, I'm embarrassed to admit this as a wife and a mom of two sons that I didn't want to be here. I was sick of it, you know, and that's, I know, being very impatient, but. When the pain goes on and on and you're not sleeping at night, it really changes the person that you are. And it's a very scary thing because you look at yourself and like, who am I? And then you question, you question, should you even be here? Now, having said that, I never ever um because of my background, never suggested that I would, you know, would think about taking my own life. But having said that, I was upset with myself and I was upset with God because I just wondered if it would ever end.
0: And, I mean, you don't have to worry too much about the whole suicide conversation because I, I, a good chunk of our listeners, like, I mean, that's just life. It's like, unfortunately, sometimes those thoughts come and right. it's a truly sad place to be in when you're like, that's the only option. It's like, life cannot get better, which, I mean, oxymoron, of course. Right. But, like, having the, the mindset of this is the only answer to get me out of the situation.
1: Well, see, and honestly, I'll tell you the last few times I've had book signings or speaking engagements, I really feel I'm here for those people because it was so bad and I can't encourage them. And I mean, the book will really, really encourage them. There's a whole section like how to persevere through hard times. How do you deal with fear? How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with psychologically all these things? So I do think This book is really going to help people. And also the last section, how do you deal with God when you're angry, you know, when you're upset and you feel he's left you? How do you deal with it? Because recently I was doing a book signing and it just really hit me. A lady at the book signing said this past, uh, I want to say six month period, two people in her neighborhood, they killed themselves. And I thought, you know, people need to have hope. People need to have The realization, though, as bad as it's been, you can change the future. And with the help of God, you can get through it. And somehow you can turn things around and you can get your life back. And just because you've had a bad past doesn't mean your future has to be bad. But sometimes there are things you have to do that may not be easy. For me, a lot of the things I did were not easy. People say, Linda, I couldn't do that. I believe you can, but you have to focus on doing that. And you have to get out of living in the past you've got to live in the now and you've got to live in the future
0: so you brought up a very interesting point we okay we got two ways we can go we can talk about what was the hard decisions you had to make to get yourself out of that rut that's where we could go we'll talk about both or we can talk about your new book did COVID at all have any effect on you writing or like did it did have any help informing the book where, where where do you want to go covid or the ruts you got out of like
1: well you know for me i don't think covid covid ha- did not have as big of an effect because by the time covid came i will say there were times i felt more alone because i'm a people person and people shut down and i mean dance competitions we did one or two that were online i did more probably more podcasts but you know a lot of people just kind of shut down Personally, COVID was, I would say, hard on me. But as far as recovering from the illness part, dealing with the illness and writing the book, probably not so much because I'd already gone through so many things that were worse than COVID, quite honestly.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's good to know. I only asked just because, I mean, like, even the, the very title itself, Living a Positive Life in a Negative World. I mean, for a lot of people, it, granted, a lot of people, COVID was a blessing because Hobbies came out of it. Careers came out of it. Like, life's ultimately changed for the better, for it. But it was also a very negative time. We were fighting each other for toilet paper. People were literally <laughs> dying. We didn't, like, we didn't have yeah. that human-to-human contact. And I feel like uh, right. I'm, I'm originally from Sacramento. And I there, I had all the family, the friends. I'm now living in Portland, Oregon. And it definitely was the pandemic. But when I came here, like, I was just like everyone's going to be happy and sunny and everyone's just going to want to talk and i got nothing from people like i'm the kind of guy where i'm like how's your day ma'am and the grocery store lady was not telling me her day i was like okay that is what's (laughs) going on what's going on with the world man yeah so i'm glad that it it hasn't affected the book or at least maybe shape the book so
1: honestly last year though this didn't have to do with the pandemic, but it was one of the saddest years of my life because I had two cars that were totaled mm. and um, see in the summer, we come to Asheville and it's great. It's quiet, peaceful in the mountains and it's a great place to write, but my car was totaled. So I didn't do a lot of traveling. I was kind of stuck here. And when I rewrote this book, um, people don't understand sometimes what it takes to write a book, but When I tell them this was a much harder book to write than the first one with the brain tumor, they don't always understand. But when you have to relive all that pain that you went through and you have to put it in writing, plus you were talking about your pet. I lost my 18-year-old cat, which was Mm -hmm. devastating. I lost a close friend who I ended up speaking at her funeral last fall. But I was dealing with losses and then on top of it, rewriting all the horrible things that had happened to me and how I dealt with it yes I dealt with it yes my life is better but when you have to write that put all of that in writing and you're reliving all that pain last year I feel like this was a labor of love to help people those people that said Linda tell us how you did it but it was not an easy year and it was very difficult for me to sit down and put all these things in writing like I tell people I was a psychologist a practicing counselor and my life was such a mess I didn't even know how to deal with my own life and that's embarrassing in some ways, but at the same time, it was true. It was true. It was a bad place to be, but I didn't know what. how to, I didn't even know how to take care of myself at that point because I was so far down.
0: Well, so that segues really into the, the question I was gonna ask Lexa previously though. So originally when you had the surgery, when you're going through the recovery process, or you're saying that you had to do some hard things to get right. past that hurt and trauma, did that i guess what exactly did you have to do so i guess what was so messed up in your life that you had to everything. realize and come to grips <laughs> you mind sharing at least or we'll, well show them down the everything
1: uh, We we could divide it into which would you prefer to hear about because i wrote a section about body i wrote a section about soul and then i wrote a section about spirit possibly for your listeners i don't know do many of your listeners have physical problems or would they rather hear about like how I got through the stress and how I got through the fear and how I got through the, you know, having to get through it all?
0: If you really want to know what my guests are and if you have the time for it, let's get into the whole bucket of worms. Because like I okay. like but let's just get everybody because I mean, okay. that's what I love about this. So,
1: OK, but. well, I basically in the part one, which was about the body, I really went back to um, the beginning when I was such a mess way back at the brain surgery, I couldn't even walk. And now the the sections I'm writing in section one are when people say, I have pain and I have suffering and I don't know what to do for myself. And I don't know how to get me out of this hole. My doctor's not helping me because remember I was in a place they said, we can't do anything for you. We can't help you. And doctors really did not help me with anything having to do with the fibromyalgia. So I went back to square one and this, these are principles that I use today only because they work for me and I think they can work for other people. Okay. But your as far as your body, if you can't do anything else and you have the ability to walk, you walk. That means if you're on a walker, you walk. You're in a wheelchair, you walk with your hands, you have a cane, but you do to the best of your ability, you start and you walk. And the like crazy that. thing for me was the day after a brain surgery when I could not even stand, let alone do anything, the doctor said you have to walk. But I'll tell you, walking is just outstanding. And I have, I won't go through all the data, but I put a lot of scientific data in the book as well, why it helps, what it does. But walking is a very powerful thing that people say, well, I don't feel like exercising. At the minimum, get up and walk and do is do what you can do but then I added a few more sections about other types of exercise and things that helped me like, okay, I did weight-bearing exercise, which is really good. I, again, I put all the benefits in the book and the research that support that, how that, if you can do it, it's great. Say you only have upper body strength and maybe let's say you can't walk, you get some weights and you work on the upper body, you work on the hands, you work on the arms, you work on the shoulders you do what you can do, but there's tremendous benefits. Then I also cover the exercises that are good for the brain. Mm, okay. People, they compare a lot of different types of exercise, believe it or not. And you might already know this. Do you know what the number one exercise is for the brain by any chance, Tristan?
0: Is it reading?
1: No, no. In fact, reading reading is one of the things they put in the in the study. This was like a New England Journal of Medicine study. They looked at reading, they looked at doing puzzles, they looked at, you know, different forms of exercising, bicycling, and swimming. The number one exercise for the brain, believe it or not, is dancing.
0: Okay, that's cool.
1: And because when you dance, you've got to use your mind. Like, for example, what I do ballroom dancing, if you're a guy, you got to learn steps, you got to learn how to lead somebody. If you're a woman, you have to learn how to follow. Your brain has to adapt to what the other person is doing but it far exceeds any other exercise as far as positivity and helping the brain, which, certain, um, yeah. and you know, I stopped competing for a short period of time. I competed I I was competing up until early this year and some other things have happened that I feel are more important that I do right now, but, um, I still dance because it helps my coordination. It helps my balance, which yeah, I still have issues left that are even from the brain surgery. I don't talk about them, but my life, Isn't perfect, it's a lot better than what it was, but dancing really, really helps your brain.
0: And it's just fun.
1: And so, if you have a choice, they've shown it goes as far as reversing early dementia. People that are starting to have hiccups and like, well, why did I go in the other room? Or where did I lose that? Or I can't remember your name anymore. You start dancing, and some of that can be reversed. So, it's really uh, an outstanding exercise for the brain.
0: Well, I'm gonna tell my wife when I get home. Hey, baby. Um, I guess they're Just hey, and and, do, and dancing's fun. I I, I I'm, I'm yeah. trying to remember even what there's like so many verses in the Bible where that that's like a the four words. It's like and they danced and it's like they again danced. it's like it's
1: they danced.
0: It's it's like singing for your body. It's just
1: exactly just, maybe even better. I mean, not that singing isn't good, but I know if you get into praise and worship dance, you use your arms, and I mean, you know, you you really get into it, and it's great for your body. It's great for your soul. And if other people watch you, they get excited too. You know, they see you, hey, you're, you're expressing yourself through this art form and it's a beautiful thing. But um, just to kind of highlight on um, the first section there again, after I get past the exercise, I talk about something that a lot of people don't know a lot about, and that's inflammation. Mm. Have you had anybody on your podcast talk about inflammation?
0: Right. They have not actually. Please okay. elaborate.
1: Well, this, and there again, I had to learn this. I was having a lot of pain. Nobody was helping me. But if you change your eating, you can lower inflammation in your body by what you eat, as well as improve your brain function by making changes in what you eat. Not only does it help your brain and your body, a lot of people can, say, fight off pre-diabetes. They can have less pain by cutting the inflammation level in their body. And this can be done through diet and also supplements that can really change things around. And I eat a certain diet. Some people say, Oh, Linda, I can not do that. You know, but you know, it, it just depends how bad you are, how bad you might want to make changes. What's
0: the, what's the diet?
1: Well, and this isn't going to be popular, <laughs> but um, honestly, um, the one of the biggest things you can do is limit your sugar, limit your sugar. Um, be careful about the artificial sweeteners. I can I can tell you one that's a healthy one that's from a plant, but most of the artificial sweeteners are really no better. They have other side effects, but sugar itself um, not only raises your insulin level, but for a lot of people will literally cause pain to their body. Mm. Um, if you read about the negative effects of sugar, and I grew up with sugar. I grew up drinking Coca-Cola and eating M&Ms and when you're a kid and you're younger, you might get away with it. But as you get older, not so much. But, you know, for example, if you wanted to eat for your brain, I do have a chapter that talks about what you eat for your brain. People don't realize what's good for your brain. Believe it or not, coffee is very good for your brain. Okay. Now, there again, you have to do it in moderation. And there's different kinds of coffee, some that are healthier than others. Things like green tea, outstanding for your brain. Things like healthy nuts are great for your brain berries are great for your brain most fruits and vegetables are actually really good for your brain some you know some meats are better than others
0: i was gonna ask like where where's the meat like category like scale go
1: well you still have protein and see i have a lot of food allergies but i also have problems digesting eating certain types of meat so you have you do have to listen to your body i mean my husband eats a certain kind of meat and it causes him a lot of problems. And every time he eats it, I'll say, Honey, have you noticed? <laughs> when you eat this, you really don't do very well.
0: But the steak was delicious. I don't want to
1: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, if you want to be healthy, sometimes you have to give things up. Now, um, you know, everybody has a different body. You've got to talk to your doctor, obviously have your blood work done and all that, but um, Actually, since I've published the book, I've realized people that are really sick actually do really well with what's called an alkaline diet. In fact, it's been known to cure people, Mm -hmm. according to some doctor friends of mine, by switching to alkaline water and alkaline diet. I wouldn't do this normally unless you're very ill, say maybe if you had cancer, but um, people have been able to turn around their disease um, with an alkaline diet, and there again, for you and me, that might not be necessary, but I have a friend, she's recovering from cancer, and she tried that, and things were really turning around for her, and um, I had some acupuncture once, and the acupuncturist said that she treated a man who was told he had three months to live, and he's still alive right now, and all he did basically is change his diet, change his water, maybe take some Chinese herbs, and it turned him around, but You know, I do want to say that I think doctors mean well, but not everybody has the same knowledge. And for those of us that have been really sick, I've had to try things that other people maybe haven't tried that have really helped me turn around. Might not be for everybody, but if you're not getting help, sometimes you have to go outside the box.
0: I think is that kind of like what ultimately happened? You had to, again, kind of fight to make these decisions.
1: Like I said, I was in a place of self-hatred. And you know, just because I couldn't sleep, I was not nice to be around. I did not like myself. When you don't sleep and you have pain all the time and you're not getting help. And I did not want to choose narcotic pain medicine. I didn't, I went, did not want to go down that road. But I thought, you know, I'm going to start doing my own research and with the help of God and, and reading a lot, reading books, reading things online. I just tried some of these things and found that they really helped me, they really worked. And yes, it's a sacrifice to give up things you might really like to eat. But if you see there's a result to it, you know, after a while, that craving for sugar just isn't what it used to be. And that's a good thing. And the other thing is I can eat a little bit of dark chocolate and it satisfies me. And dark chocolate is great for the brain, by the way. But you want to get the one that doesn't have a lot of sugar in it. If you want the one that has the most, really the most health benefits.
0: So we talked about physically. We touched a little bit on what you could do mentally to help your brain. What about spiritually?
1: Okay, spiritually, um, the types of battles that I had that were really difficult. Well, the first one, you know, I talked about a little bit in the first book, but I felt God had left me and I didn't know how to process that. And for me, it was probably largely due to the brain tumor removal and um, where I was, you know, physically. But, you know, when you have those feelings that God is not there. When I was went through the near death experience, I knew for a fact he was back because he pulled me back into my body. Literally pulled pulled me in my body when I was dying. But
0: When when was that, by the way? Was that during the surgery or was like when did that happen?
1: That happened during a period of time that in the first book I call the Ten Dark Days. And I came home from the hospital the next day and I was just a real mess. I couldn't think, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything. I was just a total mess. And on top of that, I felt like God had left me. He was, he was just gone. You know, normally I had this feeling. I shouldn't use the word feeling, but some of us do. You know, it is more of a feeling when you feel close to God. But I didn't feel him, and I felt so bad. And I just really, for whatever reason in my head, I felt he had left me. And so I was going through these 10 dark days, and it wasn't getting better, and it was day 10. And that the ironic part was, it was it was like right at Christmas Eve that this happened. And I'm there and I still can't go up the stairs even to sleep in my own bed. I'm sleeping downstairs on the couch and I can hardly walk. And, and I don't know, I just felt, and I can't explain this to anybody to really help you understand unless you've been through it yourself. But I felt there was a separation between my body and my spirit. And I was like out of my body and I was getting closer and closer to the front door. Mm. And I was right at the point I was ready to leave. And then this gigantic hand came and pulled me back into my body. And in that instant, I knew God was there.
0: And and that I can imagine that's terrifying to be like, just so close. And even like you said, you trying to describe it, like I can imagine it. I can, but feeling it, experiencing it, can I even imagine it's so different?
1: And the crazy thing, you know, some people might say, well, you just had a brain surgery. You didn't know what was going on. My husband was upstairs and he literally saw the hand. So there were two of us that witnessed it. And he said he saw the hand. And that's the first and only time. Later on in Supernatural Rescue, I had a very spiritual experience where I got really angry at God and I was really yelling at God and I I still couldn't work. This was after um, a certain medical institution said, there's nothing we can do to help you. And I had gone up to Ohio to work with my dad and help my dad because that's all I could do. He's like 98 years old. He needed help. So I went and stayed with him for a while. And I forget what happened. I was trying to plug in something in the wall and I got this horrible electrical shock. Well, like put me over the edge. And so I didn't want my dad to hear me cry, but I went out in the garage and I remember it was really cold in the garage and I just cried out. And I said, God, why am I still alive? Why didn't you let me die? You know, and I'm like yelling at God, like, why am I even alive? I'm sick of this. This was, I think right after the fibromyalgia had really kicked in and it's like, why am I alive? And that night I was sleeping in the second story room in the room that had been my mother's room. And she'd passed away a few years ago before this happened. But I I think I'm having a dream and there's this light and I realized I'm not asleep. I'm wide awake. And this light is coming through the ceiling. And um, I looked up and I remember seeing a figure on the other side. And, you know, at first I thought it was an angel. And then I thought it was a very blurry figure. I thought, well, it could have been my mother. It could have been Jesus. But I immediately knew that that figure was there to give me hope that I was going to get through all of this.
0: Which I mean, this is a very interesting way to go about it because I mean, we're we talking about God? We're talking about Jesus. Obviously, you had a spiritual background, or like you you went to church, is what it sounds like. I mean, did you always have that? Have you always
1: been a believer? Well, you know, I yeah, base. Well, I grew up. I I want to say that when I was a little girl, about nine, is when I asked you know God to come into my life. I'd ask you know Jesus to be my savior, whatever, and. And then, you know, through life, you've got ups and downs, and they're what I would consider normal ups and downs. But I really did not have, I would say, the crisis in my spiritual walk until um after the brain tumor. And then I think it got worse because the fibromyalgia went on for so long that, you know, it got worse. And I got more upset with God and just not understanding. But, you know, one thing that I did in the spiritual sense, I know we're talking, and, but this this will help you in, in the area of the book that's mind, will, and emotions as well. One thing that I did that really helped me is that I journaled. And not only did I write down my feelings, I did like a prayer journal about, and I expressed my feelings honestly. And um, I put this in writing and why and how and why is this happening and why am I going through this? But when God then started to give me my own answers as far as how I might feel better and how you know, it would help me, it might help somebody else, then I could start to see a purpose in it and realize, you know, maybe all of this, you know, there's not really a reason to be angry, like I thought that there was gonna be a good reason come out of it, but you know, it was a long time, you know, we're talking weeks, months, years of trying to process changes and make changes in my own life. And I do have a chapter, you talked about the pandemic, I do have a chapter in the second section about fear, because I felt like people don't know how to process fear. They don't know how to deal with fear. And fear is kind of at the root of, you know, people got into this fearful thing during the pandemic. There's still people, I don't know where you live, but there's people in our area, they're still wearing masks because they're still like in this, I feel that, you know, I see them like they're locked up in this place of fear that they're afraid to expose themselves to anything. and. They're, you know, they're not looking at things as they are. They're looking at things as they were when people, you know, were getting COVID and there were a lot of sick people, but, um, people have to learn to overcome things like fear and stress and even, you know, grieving. And when I had those two losses last year, I felt like God was saying, write a chapter on grieving, but I also feel like one of the important chapters in the second section that God really taught me a lot about, and he's still teaching me, having patience and learning to persevere, because I think for me, I was not very good at persevering through the really hard times, but um, I've learned things, and um, I'm still learning about being more patient, and I think that's, for me, that's probably going to take the rest of my life, learning to be more patient, but there's things we can all learn to be patient with ourselves and others and even God. The things aren't going to happen the minute we say a prayer. We're not immediately going to get an answer the way we think we should.
0: Right. If anything, that's so. And that was kind of what I was thinking about. Is it? It, it first off, it. Now we talked about this last episode, I literally just recorded today. Was that you have to do things scared, doing something despite you being scared does not mean that you don't have fear. It means that you are working through it though. And then sometimes to even just get through something. It's just to live it, or at least to live through it, to kind of see the other side, see if there's another side.
1: No, it's so true. And I put some quotations in my chapter on perseverance when I was researching what people said about it. I found some really, really interesting, um, interesting quotes. And, um, one thing, um, that someone said, I'm, I'm thinking back, um, cause I put so many quotes in the book, but, um. One one quote that a person made was, if if you find yourself in hell, keep on going. In other mm-hmm. words, don't stay where you are, keep going, you know, keep 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 moving. Don't stay there. Don't choose to stay in that spot, but be determined to move on. And that may be there again, finding your own answers. And one thought that just came to my mind I want to share about spirituality there have actually been, um, and I, I put a few stories in section three about that, but very famous people you wouldn't expect that felt like God had left them or they had issues with God. And And Mother Teresa was one of those people. She's regarded as a saint in the Catholic church, but she felt God had left her. And so it's like a lot of people through history actually have had this happen. And I know when I realized that, I realized that I'm not alone. And I think a lot of times in our own pain and suffering, we think I'm alone and I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. In truth, we're not alone. We're not the only one. And to find out how other people have gotten through it can encourage us to keep going and not to stay stuck in that spot.
0: All right. So this is kind of a, for the people who aren't believers, who, and and that's a whole other bucket of worms. I mean, for people who don't know it, I mean, or even that in itself is a scary feeling. It's like, I've tried to know God, or I've had this one experience that limited what I want to experience, or the church wronged me, or something like that. I mean, how do they even open that up? Or if they, do
1: you think they even need to? Well, I think, you know, all of us have a certain history with people that have let us down, whether it be God, you feel God let you down. In my case, I felt, you know, for a while, God had let me down. But we have to realize people are not perfect. And although we don't understand what God is doing he I really believe he does everything for a reason things happen for a reason we might not know now we might know it might be years later till we know or understand but God is much bigger than what we are so first we can't really understand God now when people let us down that's another thing and I do talk a little bit about that okay What happens when people let you down? What happens when you've let yourself down? And what happens when God lets you down? Okay. And this is surrounding a chapter that I wrote about bitterness. And I don't know if you know people that they get bitter and they stay bitter and they're not happy people.
0: We we all know one. Yeah. We know someone like that.
1: (laughs) Usually they have one thing in common and it's unforgiveness. And It can be a big picture of unforgiveness. Okay. It might be somebody else. People say, well, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to let it go. But as somebody who's a counselor, I will tell you, if you don't process this, you only hurt yourself. They're out there. They're living their life. They're not hurt by this. You're the one that's hurting yourself, but you have to forgive others. And the next person that people do not forget is forgive is themselves. I made this terrible mistake. I can never forgive myself. Mm. We all make mistakes. But there again, that's where it helps if you believe in God, that God came and he can forgive all of it. And the past is under the blood of Christ. Now, people that aren't Christians might have a harder time forgiving themselves. But, you know, it's true that if you believe as a Christian, and I mean, no, there's no unforgivable sin. God can forgive everything and he will if you're willing to give it to him. But thirdly, sometimes... I really believe I kind of had to forgive God and people say, oh, you shouldn't have to forgive God. Now, this could be a huge theological debate. When I wrote this book, I never intended for this to be a debate, but I want people to understand if you have bad feelings against God, there again, who is it hurting? It's hurting you, but also your relationship with God, just like another person you would refuse to forgive. But if you, you know, if you have bad feelings, you have to process those feelings and let them go. It's not that God literally did something wrong, but it's within you. You've got to say, God, maybe you weren't there. Like in my case, you did not solve my issues as quickly as I thought you should. And you strung this thing out way longer. You know, God, there's a reason. Now I get it. I didn't get it when I was going through it. But yes, I choose to let those feelings go.
0: No, exactly. And I mean, you said it yourself, though. It's the fact that you made that decision it's like, OK, hey, I'm now going to acknowledge it. We're now working through it, though. And I mean, I think that's all somebody like the secret again. It's like in just any relationship, it, the don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to bitterness. Don't hold on to resentment. Address those feelings, because if you don't, you stay where you are. There is no growth. It's just locked in right there, which that's a
1: thing. Everything involves what I want to call work. And as a counselor, I'd have to tell people it might involve writing it down. It might involve praying. It might involve journaling. But if you don't work through it, it's not going to be resolved. And, you know, you when you, it's kind of like no pain, no gain. You know, we don't want to go through the process of the pain or reliving the process. Like I said, it was very painful for me to write this book and relive the pain. But it's always worth something in the end. I really believe that.
0: And I, and I love this. just because it's that also ties into your last year about being so difficult because I mean, granted, all of this to say does not minimize how difficult it is. And the, the crappy thing is you don't realize this until you finish the hike. Sometimes it's, it's literal hell. It, it, like you said, you have to keep going before you get to see the other side of that. And I, I, my heart goes out to the people who have to make that journey 20 years, 30 years, people who have to, cause that is, Like, do you ever think about like uh, how like the Jews wanted the desert for 40 years? I'd be like, man, I'm 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 impatient after a year. I gotta wait 40 years? Nah.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. But see, you know what? The way I've been also told about that is, you know, they didn't necessarily listen to God, and so they had to suffer the consequences. And so sometimes we, you know, by our decisions, we can cause ourselves more pain as well. Now, sometimes it has nothing to do with us. Sometimes it's just situational or circumstantial or for reasons we can't understand. Sometimes we can understand it and sometimes we can't. Sometimes it makes no sense.
0: So, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'll say that for everybody that's listening. I mean, you find out where you are in your life. And this isn't, again, instructions. This isn't rules. This is if you aren't really, if you're not satisfied something missing are you upset are you hurting through something it's like it's life's not gonna be a constant party where we're always celebrating i mean and even chasing that constant high is also a fool's errand but i mean if there is something there i mean i love that analogy keep walking find find out your dance find out what gets you there and keep going because either you will find it you have found it or you'll get stronger for it and then your dance is going to maybe potentially influence somebody else to even have a better dance so
1: definitely and you know that's what i figured this is not about me this everything i went through i believe was so that i could reach more people and now that i know that you know i'm okay i'm okay with it would i want to go through it again no way but you know if it helps when I wrote the first book I said if it helps one person it's worth it. You know, I I feel that way every time I speak for a group or I do a podcast. If this helps one person it's worth it all. No doubt.
0: Exactly. And I the same thing with mine. If if I one person listens episode and, and takes something from this, I did my job. I'm good. I I'm I'm fine, you know. We got one person, that's all we need. I helped that one. Right. One person. I we talked about a little bit kind of all over the cast i think this would be great to to kind of segue into this you mentioned a lot about dancing competitive dance ballroom dance mentioned a Mm -hmm. lot about dancing have you always been a dancer or like when did this come from
1: well i i did some dancing before the brain tumor and um it wasn't as much competitive dance i would say it was um some competitions but a lot of social dancing back then my husband could dance better he has some physical problems he can't dance you know quite as much as what he used to but we were involved with a group of people we lived in Jacksonville Florida and it was a great bunch of people and so we you know took social dancing classes and maybe did a few competitions but it was just a nice big group of people and we did social dancing it was fun and then, but I think things for me, it became more of a challenge because of the brain tumor and after the brain tumor, not even being able to walk and wondering, I can hardly walk. Will I ever be able to dance again? Exactly. And then, um, yeah, I guess the highlight of coming back from, from the brain tumor was in 2018, I won an award. I won what was called a dance hero award because I encourage, inspire other people. So that was kind of like wow, I never dreamed this would ever happen to me. But um, there again, it was a process of continuing to work and try to improve and get better. And there again, if it happened to encourage and inspire other people, so be it.
0: We're gonna include uh, that clip. I'll put it in the description because it is beautiful as an understatement. It is it is really like amazing and like I was uh, kept uh, singing the song. And I was playing with it too. I, I I the lyrics are escaping me now, but it was just like again like a you. Uh... I can stand on mountains like I just I, it was beautiful you lift me up that was the song that was it though but oh, it's yeah. it's I seriously it is a treat to watch though we're, we're gonna include the description so but dancing was never like you weren't like a dancer in like high school you never liked oh, you know, no. just...
1: my life my life was so different and I mean I laugh when I say I think I'm reliving my childhood because I grew up in a basically a poor I won't say poor but Okay, my mother and father and the four of us slept in one bedroom. And my parents um, were post-depression. They were both poor during the depression. And my father hitchhiked from West Virginia and started a business in Ohio. And so I grew up in a business family. And I worked from the time that I was nine years old in the business. Wow. And other than a few things that my mother wanted me to do, because she, for whatever reason, she wanted me to do those things. I really did not get choices. I always dreamed of being an ice skater. I loved ice skating. We'd have a little pond that would freeze over, but you know, there wasn't the time or the money. Like I always wanted to play a piano, but there wasn't the time or the money. And so I really, all the way, you know, I didn't really have a social life. I never went to the prom. I never dated until I left home and went to college when I was 18. So it was very different growing up. No, I would have loved to be a little girl where I started dancing when I was a little girl, but that didn't happen. And then, you know, life happens, you know, you get married, you have children, and then you spend your life, you're raising your children. And I mean, it's a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice of love. But honestly, I didn't start dancing really till 15 years ago, my children were already out of the house. And so this is something I wanted to do for me, but I didn't get to do it until much later in life
0: which is insane to think about. I mean, like that's like, cause we, I don't think really got too much into your recovery process So, because like, you kind of touched it very lightly though. Like you did, you have to essentially learn how to walk and talk again and then a oh, uh, near death experience.
1: Yeah. What happened um, in the hospital, they had me on some type of drug. People say when I came out of the surgery, I was like talking a mile a minute, not making any sense and, you know, making all these random demands. And then all of a sudden the, the drug wore off. And, all I can remember is I could barely put one foot in front of the other, and I was crying every day I cried, I oh cried, gosh. I was depressed. And I felt God was gone, and that was the worst part of it, too. I felt like I'm alone, and I can't think, I can't walk, I can't do anything, and i'm by bi- I'm alone. and it was devastating. It was really yeah. devastating. And my head was throbbing, and there um there was a huge scar, and there was this clear stuff oozing out of my head and um
0: that's awful I'm so sorry
1: well I mean I, I don't mean to be graphic but it's the way it was you know yeah, you asked for the details it's the way it was so when I tell you I went through 10 dark days those those were very very dark days and then three months after that I was still pretty messed up to the point I had testing by a major medical institution in the Jacksonville area and they said there's nothing we can do for you
0: which is such a, like, thanks. Like, again, like, like the, what a hope killer to go through all that. Yeah. And then I'm telling yeah. him, sorry. Well, so, and I kind of want to know about the dancing as far as, like, this leads into my next question. I mean, how did it affect your family? I mean, you mentioned, like, you you're married, though. I mean, like, was it, did your husband have to do a lot of heavy lifting? Were there really dark days for the marriage, the family?
1: I, you know, I I joke about it when I say it, but I have said it before. I felt he probably should have divorced me when I got really in, you know, the fibromyalgia was really bad. I was not nice to be around. But in the beginning, he was there for me when the doctor said, you have to walk. This was Christmas time and the malls were packed and it was really too cold and not safe to walk outside on like unlevel pavement. But he literally dragged me around the mall. On his shoulder, and I was putting one foot in front of the other.
0: Oh, what a sweetheart. And
1: so honestly, you know, and some people walked away. I I hate to even tell you this, but people I thought were friends, I don't know if they were scared or they thought I was going to die, but people were not there for me. I mean, my close, very close family and my very close friends were there, but a lot of people I never heard from, they just kind of walked away, and it was a very, very difficult time.
0: I was gonna ask though, so is like uh would the dancing because like I said, kinda of mentioned that, you know, raise kids, kids are out of the house now, you're seeing more of an uphill as far as like your, things are getting better. Was the dancing kind of like a hey, this would be a fun thing if we can do for our marriage or
1: Well, um well, by that time we kind of gotten through the social dancing part of it and my husband kind of had other hobbies. He didn't dance with me as much, but um, in in ballroom dancing, ladies that you know are more serious about learning more steps, you have like a pro am partner. And so um, in Jacksonville, I'd had a teacher for a number of years. So he started to work with me again. And this is after obviously when I was starting to walk again. And um, it's been tr- it's been a tricky journey though, because even now I can have some dizziness. I have to be really careful. Now, the miracle of that is most people, even pro dancers, have fallen on the floor at least once. <laughs> to this day, I still have not had a fall like doing a competition.
0: We're knocking, knocking on the table. Knock that. That's going to keep that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I do really fast dances. It's kind of a miracle. But, um, you know, I it was a slow process because, like I said, I still have from time to time a little bit of dizziness or lack of coordination. And that's one of the reasons when i get up in the morning i try to walk every morning because it does help stabilize me from a mental point of view and makes me more focused mentally um, that i walk every morning you know regardless of where i am i get up and walk and if it means driving to the, the mall because the weather's bad it's like therapy for me but dancing was a bigger therapy because there again I, it forced me to use my mind and to learn new steps and it helped me with my brain recovery because as I shared with you earlier, it's like the number one thing you can do for your brain.
0: Absolutely. And and funny enough, it's just like I I love how full circle we've come to these things. So again, the perseverance, the the, the I've I've always I, I've always I still dance and more importantly, you still walk. Uh there's exactly. a um I don't know if you know this song, but uh Foo Fighters, uh, the little rock band, fairly famous. They have a song called Walk. Have you heard of it, potentially?
1: I'm not sure. I may have.
0: I'll, I'll send it to you if you're mildly interested, though. Literally, the lyrics go like, it's like, the course is learning to walk again. Oh, okay. And it's, I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and I'm just, would be kind of, like, interested if you're like, wow, this, did, did Dave Grohl, the lead singer, did he write a song about me? I just never knew. Did he like that? <laughs> <laughs> Did that happened, I, ah, man, it's um
1: Literally what happened though seriously. The thing is when I was learning to walk, I had a lot of falls and I banged up my knees and I had to get from the living room to the bathroom at the end of the hall, and I had so many bumps and bruises just getting to the bathroom to use the bathroom and then my bedroom was upstairs, so it was a long time before I could get up the stairs without having a fall.
0: And it's and I'm it reminds me of my mom because my mom went through breast cancer. And then hip surgery right after. So she got double dipped too and
1: That's hard. Really yeah, hard.
0: She's um I think this podcast this episode is really gonna help her, at least give her like um hope for this though, because I know she's struggling in certain aspects too. Uh little I guess uh now to tangent away from that, uh you mentioned you were a licensed therapist. Right. You mentioned that stuff. Now you're an author, now you you're a public speaker, a professional will I'm sorry to say professional. You professional dance. You, you do all this stuff. It's, I mean, I guess, where do you go from here? What, what what's the next steps here for Linda? You just finished another book.
1: I did finish another book and people are saying, well, Linda, what about the next book? But like I said, they have no idea the pain that I went through. It took most of last year getting this book written and getting it out there. Um, it finally came out this early this year, but, um, it, you know, Maybe some people whip off books, but I don't. You know, this is not easy, and I don't right now feel um, called to do another book. But what I am doing, and I'm kind of excited about it, is um, this is something that um, certain people from an organization had been contacting me about doing a course. Okay. And the course is getting in front of bigger audiences to the point that I would do it like it's a part-time income. There you go. But to me, it's not even about the money. I want to get in front of more people. So this is about a six-month course, and they have a a ninety-two percent success rate. Okay. And yeah, but you have to learn the business background. Now I can write. I'm really good at writing. You give me a topic, I can write. I can speak on it. But to learn all that business part, the computer part, the man, you know, the, all the managing the books of the business, it's going to teach me everything, God willing, that I need to know. So to get in front of bigger audiences and to be effective to improve my speaking. So I'm kind of excited about that. So that's kind of what I'm still going to be doing podcasts and speaking engagements and book signings. But, um, my primary focus is going to be completing this course so hopefully i can get those bigger audiences so i can have more people to impact
0: absolutely and i uh funny enough there's like i think three or four like people that that's what they do professionally they share their stories their growth their secrets to success though and i mean again it's like you never know or it's like as long as i've helped one person change one person's life i'm good i'm fine and it's it's fun it's like the best job ever like oh what do you do for later i inspire people (laughs) I give people the tools to kick at, kick life's ass. Heck yeah. That sounds awesome. I do that.
1: But you know, it takes a while to get in that identity. When I say that like years ago when I started speaking and I wrote supernatural rescue, people would look at me. They say, you encourage me, you inspire me. It didn't really sink in until I don't know why, but now that I've written the second book, it's starting to sink in that that's who I am. And like I tell people, okay, my pain is somebody else's gain, you know, truthfully. My pain is your gain in that what you can learn and hopefully how maybe you can learn one thing that will make your life better as a result of what I've had to go through.
0: Exactly. And all, and the best part is that all it does is take that first step and that's what you're doing. So I guess Linda, to, to give you your own advice, just keep walking, keep walking. You'll get there. You'll kill it.
1: Well, you know, the amazing thing though, I, I have had to kind of lay down my competitive dancing. This is a whole nother story, but I was kind of, some things were happening, and some dynamics with my instructor, things were not going quite as well as they had been, and and I heard this message in church, and it's like, oh my gosh, and I mean, I'll just share with you right now, because I know please, a lot of your, your viewers are Christian, and you know, maybe they'll get it, but there's a song, and I can't tell you the name of the song, but there's a song that talks about Maybe you've heard it may, laying your trophies and your crowns down. And it's like an old song. But you lay and, and it's from scripture somewhere. You lay your trophies down. You lay your crown down. Well, I thought, oh, my God, I have all these trophies and I have a crown. I have a crown when I was crowned the dancing hero. But it hit me like maybe I'm supposed to do this. Mm. So this is when I was up here in Asheville. I went home to Florida where I have all my trophies. And I literally, literally, I thought I'm going to pray over this. I took all of them off the shelf and laid them on the floor. Mm. And I just laid them there. And you know what? It just, I'm thinking, it's not that I'm not going to dance again, but I'm going to take time off competition. I'm going to focus on something else. And this is what I'm supposed to do right now. And then it struck me, you know, I'm, I had to make a choice whether I would stay on a competing and dancing can be great. And on the other hand, it can be not so great, but you feel like you're on this. um, What is it called? Like the hamster goes around in a circle. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh yeah. It's like, it's a a cycle. It's a cycle that you just can't get off of.
1: But the thing is in time, when you do, when you do it for a while, I've been doing it for a while. It was starting to feel like uncomfortable pressure. And, but also I couldn't say no, I had to keep going as long as I'm with my instructor who does that. So basically I had to lay that situation down and I'm taking some random lessons with other instructors, but I feel like this is just what God was calling me to do to make this change. So I could take this course. The minute I decided that this course opened up, but the really cool thing is now God is opening up other places where I'm able to deal, go back to almost like being a therapist, helping people on a personal level, which is really exciting. Because, well, like I said, I shut the practice down because I couldn't do, like, when you're a counseling, um, like, psychologist or therapist, you see people, say, three to six months every week until they, they iron out their problems. Like, I tell people, I can't do that right now, but I can help people on a smaller scale. And so that's what God's been doing. In the midst of working on this course, he's opening up other opportunities, But like opportunities that like might be just like a one-time opportunity or a short-term opportunity to help other people in other ways. So to me, this is like God's stamp of approval that, you know, that hopefully I'm doing what he's calling me to do right now. And, you know, we never know when and how our life is going to change. But I think when you're feeling there's like a discomfort or this just isn't going as well as it might, that's when you have to ask God, you know, am I supposed to be doing something different and change is not always easy and taking the risk. And like I said, I'm taking a course to do things on computers. I'm not really comfortable doing, but this company is more or less saying that they'll work with me to get through that. And so I'm seeing it as a growth experience. And there again, if I can reach more people, you know, so be it.
0: There you go. There you go. It's, I don't know if, um, do you know much about the pod match website? Like what your, uh, your guy uses to get people or to get you on shows?
1: I don't know a lot about it. I have considered at some point down the road, uh, you know, my husband has certain equipment, but if this continues with the speaking, there might be a time that I want to do a podcast myself, but I'm waiting for God to show me when that is, when that happens.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I you got any questions for me I'll let you know because I started this a year ago I've always oh, wanted really? to do that it's a uh-huh. lot easier than it sounds especially like really? you have to yeah because I mean you you have these thoughts like I want this to be big and grand and the most important thing you can do is just start it because then you just get better the more you keep doing it I'm sure the reason why I asked about the pod match thing is it's a it's a great website shout pod match uh sponsor me I mean they're they technically they pay me for guests so that th- I'm wow not a lot, but we're getting there. That's, that's, that's yeah, the goal. The yeah. goal is we get, we're getting there. But they're like a dating website for podcasters. That's how they describe it. So if you are a podcast guest, they match you with hosts looking for people. But if you are a host, they match you with guests who want to be on shows.
1: That's great.
0: So obviously my show came up to your publicist and he reached out to me. and That's how he started this transaction.
1: Well, that's good. Oh,
0: the reason yeah, that's why I brought it up to you cuz it's like there are people who want people to be on there to share their stories and of course like again you could start your own. Sorry, long story short, I brought this up is that uh this one guy shout uh Dave uh, Albin uh, Dave uh, yeah, he is he is I think the number one uh guest on the website. He is a professional firewalker like he worked with Tony Robbins and he like <laughs> for like 19 years and he like Essentially, was the guy manning the giant pit of coals for people to walk on it?
1: Oh my god, that's crazy!
0: Oh, he was a great episode. If you want to get a chance, uh, it's episode <laughs> thirteen, Firewalk With Me. It is, it okay. is a treat. But with that said, he mentioned something that's like the only thing that doesn't change is change. Things are constantly moving. Things are constantly right. adapting. Right. So if you can go with that you're you're already doing better than than half the people like well like...
1: You know, i'm at the age and i mean it's so strange cuz people say oh linda you don't look your age you don't act your age but the thing is as long as i have breath left i'm going to use my life to help other people and age is not an issue and my father lived to be 100 years old honestly i'm not sure i want to live that old Oof, <laughs> but having said that if i can help people you know why not use what you have to help people I don't feel like I'm ready just to retire. I really don't.
0: Amen. Absolutely. And again, it, it's the moment you decide you want to stop learning again. It's like, it's over. It's like, you're right. like, at that point, you're just, you're just eating the cake. You're just eating cake and eating sugar. And I think you're waiting for death. It's like, no, no, like like challenge yourself, get better, get stronger, keep walking. Exactly. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, um, I, you know, I was on a, a TV show in Tallahassee and it was called that like, getting, it was about getting stronger, you know, and about people that are getting stronger coming back. I think it was called coming back stronger or something like that. But, um, you know, you're so right. But I feel like a lot of people that I know, I'm just really, it's hard to explain, but I don't really fit in with people in my general age range because I look at things differently. And a lot of it is because I, what I have been through, I really believe that. And you know, people think things are so bad, but they have no idea. I mean, until you've been through something really bad, it's it's all relative, you know, and exactly. there again, the pandemic was bad. But for me, compared to what I've been through, it really was not that bad. But it's all comparative. It's based on what you have been through, how you look at things.
0: Absolutely. And not to speak ill of your generation or your age demographic or group, but it's that a lot of people I know around like your age it's they like get to a point where like i'm done learning i don't need to i don't need to learn more of how the world works i don't have to subscribe to the beliefs and it's like again the moment like they've stopped that it's like okay well now you've just cut off any sense of like this relatability it's just you're like hey i like 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 i see all what you guys are doing i'm gonna say way back here until i'm just dead and i don't it's fine and you know if you want to live like that way that's fine no one should ever be forced to change but those who do not change again they just get left behind or they get ridiculed but hey do you
1: the other thing you know this goes back to exercise and you know i had a friend a couple years ago and she was like me kind of you know, like a social ballroom dancer and she was not dancing and i said you know you 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 need to keep going or you won't be able to do it she said well who said so and i said people i know that they quit doing it and they can't do it anymore well this is a year two years later she can do it but she can't do it as well because she decided not to do it anymore and it's you know there's that saying if you don't use it you'll lose it Mm, but i think that's also true with your body but with your brain as well and um I don't know. You know, I just feel like I, I had that period of my time, which I consider being, you know, I was fighting, fighting, fighting. But for me, I guess it wasn't unproductive, but it seemed unproductive because I couldn't do a lot of things. I had to shut down my practice. But now that I've had to live through that, I want to make my life count and I want it to be productive.
0: And well, again, that's hindsight's always twenty-twenty. What you thought was you being taken it easy, being slow is... The growing season of kind of shaping where you need to go. So I mean, uh, just grow, Growing is fun. Growing is fun and crappy because we don't ask for it. It's forced upon us, though. But I mean, just it's it is what it is. I'll say. I um, you know, I I, I do think this is actually a good place to kind of maybe like not totally just wrap up, but get prepared to close. Just because you said so many just great bits that I think people really need to chew and meditate on. And I sincerely hope that if anybody question-wise, I mean, or wants to know more about Linda's story, again, maybe you're interested in her book stuff, they can contact you, like how, I guess, how could they contact you if someone wanted to reach out to you?
1: Okay, um, probably um, is either through my email or my website. I'll give you both of those. Um, my website is lindasplunkett.com and that's L-I-N-D-A-S like Sue plunkett p like peter l-u-n-a-e-t-t dot com and my email is hopeforherding at com, and that's h-o-p-e-f-o-r-h-u-r-t-i-n-g at com. Well, and if they could put something um in the subject line um that would uh, i i get so much junk email that i apologize if i don't answer the first email but put something like Tristan or put something like podcast or OPS
0: podcast. That. That's what they'll put down. O P E S yes. podcast. That's, a, that's a show. That's how you're going to reach out yes. for Knowing Friends My Side. And
1: the other thing I want to mention, uh, while this book is, you can get it overnight on Amazon, which is great, or at Barnes and Noble. My first book, Supernatural Rescue, it's downloadable, but now Unfortunately, it's a, although it's a five star by Amazon, it's sold out. Now I have personal copies. If you email me and you really want to read the the, uh, the story about the brain tumor and what happened, the recovery, the memoir, um, you can also email me, ask me for a copy and I will be happy to mail you one for um, at a minimal price for people that might really want to read that story and have the personal copy, you know, for their library at home or wherever.
0: Start, start the conversation. It's Linda com, and then right. hope for healing at aOL.com.:
1: uh, Hope for hurting. H-U-R.
0: Sorry, I'm sorry. Hope for hurting at aOL.com.: Right. Just start the conversation if you want to listen to the episode, walk. you know what you need to do. It's, um, and, and don't be afraid to ask those questions too, because I think that's, that's the first step. Is like, am I okay? Am I hurting? Am I right. holding on to something that's not letting me go or grow? And and you know, I'll even say this again, you you guys know my email, I'll plug it out every episode. If you ever want to talk to, seriously, that's the whole reason I started this cast is to talk about hard, difficult conversations and more importantly, the victories of people going through it though. If anything, that's I should have called the podcast. It's like hoping victories or something like that. That'd be fun. Now, I will say this. I I can mention, I think we are wrapping up though, unless you have any other questions or want to say anything else. I will come back to the first question I asked you. Now that we have an hour and twenty minutes had this conversation, are you are still tattooless. No idea, no nothing, no scripture, <laughs> no cross, no God's crown, nothing like that.
1: Well, I don't know. See, I wear I wear this little cross on my finger. I don't know if you can see it. I can if see if I bring that. it close enough, maybe.
0: That would look that would look like a very even just like the outline, just like maybe like on your ankle or wrist.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think because I live in Florida a lot of the year, I don't wear socks. So like you say, maybe it would be a nice, nice little ankle bracelet thing I could put around with the cross on it. Who knows? Right.
0: Three things. First off, if you get a tattoo, you will communicate somehow. You'll tell me because I'm like, ah, like and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell everyone. I'm like, I got a tattoo. And then we'll, we'll all be saying great things about you. That's the first thing second thing when you complete that course i'd like when you can finally do like a a seminar or you have your program and it's it's completed i'd love to do a second episode we'd love to promote it too please come back like uh, it's you you are a very powerful and spiritual woman i only want to encourage it
1: (laughs) no i really you know i appreciate it and i'll just end with something one of the exercises i had to do was research speakers that speak on what I speak on. I couldn't really find anybody that really speaks on exactly what I speak on. So um, hopefully at some point there'll be a demand for that. You never know because they say, oh, research people that are doing what you're doing. But honestly, what I'm doing is a little bit unique. At least my message I feel is unique. So I'm excited, um, like they say, celebrate your first your first paid talk. So. And there again, it's not even so much about being paid, but uh, maybe having a larger audience, I'm really excited about that. And thank you so much. I really appreciate your time
0: it was it was a wonderful time talking to you. final thing I was gonna ask is you may have to think about this. It may not be a question you can answer now. If you did start a podcast, you ever think any titles popping out or anything you might like that would be a good podcast title
1: if I did a podcast well you know I really feel the theme of my life is really living a positive life in a negative world so I would encourage probably people what do you have that you can share that made your life more positive or what happened to you that you you came from a negative place to a positive place I think that would be a great podcast
0: I like that and and it's one of those titles where you read it you know exactly what you're getting into where it's like oh I wonder what I'm going to learn on this episode you already got it well if there's nothing else to be shared, guys, I just love this episode of healing and victory. I hope you guys did too. I've been Tristan. This has been Linda. This has been another ordinary person with extraordinary story. Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories. If you're interested in helping the channel, feel free to click on the link below to get access to our Patreon, where we have exclusive episodes and clips not shown to the public. And of course, if you believe you yourself have an interesting story to tell, or know somebody who would be great for the show, feel free to email me back at opespodcast at gmail.com. That's opes. That's the acronym for the show, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories, O-P-E-S, podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, and until next time.